Hey everyone, you're tuning into some bonus content and a little teaser to my full episode of Runners Rate the Bars with Nick Curry and James Bonet. Awesome, talented runners. We've got the American record holder on the track for 24 hours, a member of the Era Vipa racing team. James Bonet, former pro athlete for Adidas and incredible coach. We're going to have them, while we sip some delicious wine, we're going to have them settle some of the hottest debates in the running world and perhaps just the world in general. So I wanted to make a nod here. We, With some effort, we opened up this bottle of Zinfandel. It's from Wilson Winery in Hedelsburg. Yeah, in Lake Sonoma, wine country. And I was lucky enough uh, this past fall in 2021 to win the inaugural Lake Sonoma 100K. Thanks in part to your coaching and wisdom. And You're welcome. Appreciate it. So you do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I put in the work, but uh, yeah, I got to have that plan. As you know, it's so essential. <laughs> Get the mic up there for the audio. Mostly beer folks here, but uh, let's see what we think. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Do you taste all those Sweet, notes? Sweet, like you're saying. <laughs> uh, what notes? I don't know. That's <laughs> what everyone like always says, though. Church, tastes like church wine to me. <laughs> but like a good church wine. That's sweet. Yeah, definitely smooth. How about this? Rating of out of five wine glass emojis. I'll go three, two, one, and then you put up the number of fingers oh, yeah. for the wine yeah, glass. Yeah, I know rating. my rating. Three, two, one. Four? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting a the four. four. <laughs> <laughs> See, I usually get Trader Joe's wine if I do get wine, so I feel mm. like... I'm not saying it's bad, but it's just cheap, so this tastes really smooth to me. Yeah, that, that's, that's yeah. Like I can imagine, there's better, like a better wine exists. Oh, for sure. But yeah. uh, it tastes good to me. Shout out Wilson uh, Winery. So as we sip the wine, I would love to um, hear your thoughts on these hot debates in the running world. Do you think you guys can uh, have a civil debate? Do you get in arguments at all? As coach and athlete? Not too much. Uh, More like constructive. We, we go back and forth now and again, though. Yeah, it's just constructive. We definitely disagree, but we work well together, so we'll see if that breaks down here or not. <laughs> All right. Let's just, without fur further ado, let's jump into it. First question. <clears throat> I think this is appropriate. Is running negative splits always the best approach in a race? I would say 95% of the time, yes. Yeah, I was going to say usually. I, I think there's a few runners. I think it's more common a runner can't handle it than the negative split itself was a bad idea. Like, I, I think anyone who can successfully execute it and figure out how to do it right, it's going to help your race. It's just, it's a challenge to really do it right. Yeah, sure. especially as the distances get further. Uh, there's a lot more factors that come into it. So uh, that's where a lot of people just struggle with it because the distance there's a lot more right. variations that could happen within it but definitely like easy to achieve on like marathon and below the yeah. only time it's not is typically in the very very short distances the very short yeah yeah 100, Maybe like 100 a, 200 yeah. 400 i knew there'd be some common ground there you wrote a blog about negative splitting right and that was your strategy for yeah i'm, I'm kind of trying to write the book <laughs> right now for for long ultras on it uh-huh Literally write a book? Do you think uh, I don't know if I would literally write a book. That but sounds like a lot of effort. But at least. Yeah. I, I don't know of anyone who's tried to do it as methodically as I have. So ho hopefully I figure out how to do it so that yeah. more people can do it uh, in my wake. All right, Nick. Next question. This one's going to – I'm interested to see what you have to say about this because you're a software engineer. Is it pronounced data or data? I'll let you start it. <laughs> I say both. 
depending on how I'm feeling that day. Because <laughs> that way I can equally infuriate everyone. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah what, I what honestly... Yeah, I'd probably flip-flop as well. I don't. I honestly don't, like, as you say it, like, both sound right to me. <laughs> like, yeah. when you say data, I'm like, okay. When you say data, I'm like, okay. Is it Prescott, Prescott? Let's no, just that's see, Prescott. Yeah, that's yeah, for see. sure. Oh, for it's sure Prescott. Prescott. Yeah. Yay or nay to running with music or having podcast, listening to a podcast while running? Depends on the day. I would say I've gone through lots of phases of listening to music the whole time. Like, I love music. Music is, like, a huge part of my life. But at the same time, it's sometimes better to just be in the moment and what you need to be focusing on at the time. It really, I, I think it just really depends on where you are mentally. Um, I used to be so against it personally. Like, I didn't have a problem with other people doing it, but I'd try it and I just never liked it. Uh, but, like, the longer I've run, the more, like, yeah, I just get bored, especially if I'm grinding mm-hmm. out a lot of, like, boring flat miles. So I do a lot of podcasts and audiobooks, like, day to day. But at the same time, like, I kind of agree with James. Like, if that's all you do, like, I find myself doing too much of it, and then I realize my running's actually declining because you forget to, like, stop and enjoy the run itself, and you just get too, like, mechanical about it, and you just get in this rut of just yeah. grinding out, like, low-quality miles. So I, I think the right doing it if it makes running easier normally, but then making sure you take it out here and there a couple times a week. Yeah, I'm okay with it in training, but I don't know about you. I personally would, would never do it. Even during these long races, I've been surprised how engaged I can stay mentally. You wouldn't do it in a race situation? I actually, I no? I never do, and I prepped a bunch of music thinking I would really yeah. want it at the end of Desert Solstice, like trying to get the, it, like if I was anywhere near the record, like it's gonna, I thought it would suck, and I'd really want uh, like adrenaline pumping music, and I never grabbed Didn't it. Didn't touch it, no. If you could only run in one shoe for, let's say, all situation... Terrain, what would it be? Adios. Yeah, like it, it would have been the old like training pre, racing pre pre boost Adi Zero Adios two. Oh yeah, like I've pre boost. I mean it, that shoe set the world record at the marathon. Yeah. I've done my best at Hard Rock in that shoe. I've done. I've set my fastest yeah, hundred mile. Right right now, yeah, it, 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 it doesn't exist anymore. I've, I've got I've got a fresh one never worn in. My closet so right they now. Don't make them. Oh, they haven't made it for almost ten years now. Okay. Should um, I pull it out? So I, I'm searching no. for my next version so of that. Hang on to it. Yeah. Oh, I've got one. I've got like three stored away. Yeah, and it, my my problem is I wear shoes that were never designed mm-hmm. for the trail, and I try to go super aggressive on the trail with them. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm currently trying to to make this new shoe that would do everything a Skechers, which is bizarre to me, uh, and it's probably not going to play out. But I'm going to see how far I can mm-hmm. go with it. Yeah, I'd say that's the next closest thing. Yeah, for me. Adidas Adios was definitely like PR my hundred. I had probably all my best performances in it. One's in gray in it, like, like yeah, technical crazy terrain. It had like these little grippies on the bottom that would actually oh. work really I well. Want, I want that. I want those on wow. all of my shoes because they was, handle like snow and ice so yeah, well. Yeah, it was crazy. It works so good yeah. on everything, and it has continental rubber, which is just so tacky. Uh, yeah, I would say that was like my number one shoe. Interesting. Brooks. Yeah. Green Silence probably my next, and then this Skechers. Was it Razor Elite? What's it called? Yeah. yeah. Raz- the Razor Elite is the one it, I'm trying to make work. That's up for debate. Yeah. We're good uncertain is. so far. I, I've been getting desperate. I was trying to make the Vaporflies work for everything because they work so well on the road. Um, I turned a tr- pair into a trail pair. Um, like yeah, sh- shoe gooed the whole bottom to hold it together because the thing chunks apart if you true. don't. It, uh, and it starts feeling really terrible until you run enough miles that it shatters the carbon fiber plate and then it gets real nice and flexible. Yeah, but the uh, carbon fiber plate. Do not recommend it. Do the not carbon fiber plate is going to stab your foot. <laughs>
That's got to be one of my favorite shoes all around, just the Vaporfly, how it feels. But you're right. When it comes to the trails, it gets eaten up. There, the, you, you, you can't it's use the greatest, that. I would say it's the greatest ro- like road shoe of all time. Oh, for yeah. sure. Um, I mean, yeah, unless you're talking like Alpha Flies, maybe, but they're way heavier. Yeah, um, yeah but like one day, a, as we get more and more variety in these super shoes, one will come out that just happens to work on trails, and I'm just waiting for that day. Because um, all the current ones, yeah, they're so high, and then those those plates are so stiff that you lose feeling for the trail and like roll ankles and stuff that they just don't work today. But yeah, you're already starting to see like lower profile super shoes coming out. Companies playing with the pattern because they can bet on more than one because people are buying them. So I'm hopeful in the next couple of years something comes out that works on the trails, is super light, super responsive, has the same road feel but also isn't like overbuilt because I think a lot of the efforts for super shoes on the trail are just so heavy because they, they have to do so much different, right. like like other people like grip. I get it. They live in places where you need it. You don't need that in Arizona. It's dry. Like you don't need much. Rock. Yeah, nothing uh, slick so ever. <laughs> I, I'd rather just have something insanely light. Yeah. Well, the same thing though. Like I would say the only time those type of shoes typically don't work is on snow and ice. Typically. But everything else, it works great. People say, like, oh, what about for, like, the mud? A lot of time, those deep lug shoes end up just being, like, heavy as hell because they like so much mud cake to them. And sure. then, then you got a shoe that has, like, almost very minimal traction. It just flies right off of it. I guess, yeah, where you live and uh, could influence your answer. So I think we're yeah. pretty spoiled here in Arizona. I mean, I've, so. raced, I've raced hard rock in Canvaras. <laughs> like, I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, my answer personally would be the Saucony Canvaras. But like the previous models we were talking pre- about, yeah. like the newer ones are getting, they're not as good as they used to be. Uh, figured there'd be a lot to discuss here. I think you also, you guys both agreed. I think you also said Adidas because you used to run for them. No, I, honestly, yeah. that's like okay. literally the for me that's like goat shoe. Okay. Even, yeah. I, like shoe. even when uh, Hal Corner was racing for the North Face, he wore that shoe at yeah, Hard Rock. Yeah, he he won Hard Rock in that shoe as well. That's what he yeah, ran that, Hard Rock that in. That shoe was a lot. Jim wore them for his first. Western. That's a good shoe, man. Adidas. Let's make a comeback. Here we go. Nick's taking sponsorships. <laughs> yeah, you're no deal yet. We have not had any calories or just got done running. Food, I, I had a small bag of chips. I did oh, okay. I didn't have anything. It's pretty solid. I have uh, had two donuts today. Let's see. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, why don't we have donuts here? House. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not training right now. Technically. Do you think a pro runner? In this day and age, do they have to have a social media presence to, um, you know, fulfill their contract and obligations? I thought this was interesting, too, because you're kind of famously not very low profile on social media. Yeah, I think um, it can't hurt. I think this day it's just so accepted and it's so it's like part of the world. It's like I'm an outlier now, like of being someone who doesn't really do much social media. I've just have. I'm very, like, for me, like, that would just be a huge distraction in my life, and it would make me much more unproductive. But I, I can see the benefit why most, like, um, companies would prefer to ha- have someone who has social media, and that's because it's, you're, they're talking about the shoe more, and it just, it gets out yeah. there more, it sells their brand more. Understandable, like, but at the same time, I don't think that we should have social media up to a point. You should require people to have social media up to a point where it's sacrificing performance. I really think we should still allow, especially just like the top, top athletes to like, they don't have to have it if they don't want to um, and still be able to make an affordable living and be sponsored and have all that. So, yeah, like I think, I think you're going to struggle to make a 
living just on running at this point without social media. Like you're, you can get stuff, but you're going to get a whole lot less. Uh, I think the key is really like the runners who are going to go pro and do the best are the ones that know like the right place in that it fits in their whole life. If you're getting sucked up into the part of social media that gives it a stigma, then it's probably derailing your training and you're getting absorbed in the likes and you're getting absorbed in making too much content and it's taking away from the rest of your life. And that's also going to take away from your running yeah. versus like, I think there's a side of social media. That's the part that pulls a lot of us to like, want to be a part of it, which is the same thing as before social media existed, which is like, you're connecting with people. You're mm-hmm. like helping to inspire. You're like helping younger runners to learn what's out there and want to go do stuff. You're like, communicating and connecting with a lot of older runners like like i'm not big on social media but i still like popping in here and there because i get to connect with people that i otherwise see like once a year and so i think there's a healthy side there's an unhealthy side and the runners who are going to both do it and still perform well over years bring that healthy part in and not the other part true do top athletes have to have a social media Mm -hmm. is that the question okay so I will say if there are companies that want to invest in top athletes, I think they should put aside a little bit of a budget. So maybe there's like a social media manager on that athlete. Yeah, I was kind of getting at that. I was about to say, let's say you don't have a account at all on Instagram. They can make one. The company can make one. I think you have to have something out there. So yeah. if you're high profile and finishing at a race, that's one of the be- first places people look. They type your name in yep. on social media because they w- might want to learn more about you. Maybe yeah. the company does it all and it's only – race photos but i think they gotta have something yeah they gotta have something i think the biggest hits come from more genuine type of posts but i will say like the brand should take some initiative yeah i think and responsibility in it that's just nice there's less put on the runner yeah let's keep it rolling okay headed into a race better to be overtrained or undertrained undertrained yeah undertrained all day (laughs) so much agreement (laughs) yeah yeah you want to touch on that briefly yeah, it's it, undertrained and healthy over overtrained and I mean overtrained itself is a problem. You, you don't even have to be injured if you're just overtrained, overcooked. Like you're probably gonna fall apart sometime before the end of the race and probably pretty big. So I'd rather be undertrained, healthy, and have a shot at just running a steady day. Nailed it. <laughs> there we go. Hop into that hundred mile. You're fine. Haven't been training. I have done a hundred off. Three weeks of training. Three weeks. Tra- yeah, I mean, it means Which you're one? gonna you're gonna Western walk States. it in. Western States. Took you're, me took me twenty seven hours, but yeah, hey. you're gonna walk it in rather than dropping at mile sixty yeah. or doing damage that makes you sit out longer for running. That's yeah. We'll mix it up a little bit. Uh, you have kids. You actually have a fourth kid on the way. Do you think um, as they grow older, should kids still be taught cursive writing in school? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my son. Obviously, you gotta have the signature, but beyond that. Yeah, I think it's great. Penmanship's just something nice to have. I, I don't think we should lose that art. Got a computer yeah. guy over yeah. here. Yeah, no, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really? I, 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 I never use cursive. I get I, Even my signature is not really cursive anymore. It's just scribbling. As a trail runner, talking trails, not necessarily just ultras, do you need to have workouts that are on the road or track to be to excel in on what? the trail scene? Do you need to do, like, speed workouts on the road or track, or I think do you it, keep it all trail? I think it can help being efficient in leg turnover. Um, downhills can really help. Long, flatter sections of trail, it'll really help. I don't think it's absolutely 100% necessary. If you enjoy strictly trail running and that's all you want to do, it's totally fine. Yeah. 
and you'll get really good at it, but you'll probably be really efficient in some areas. Yeah, I tend to agree, like, you could get really, really good without doing any flat work. Uh, but also, I would rather do the flat work because I think you can lower your overall risk. It's, like, similar to going to the gym. Like, you're working on certain fundamentals to isolate things. And, like, trail running, especially some of the stuff where you're pushing yourself to get really crazy fit to race, uh, it can be dangerous. Like, you, anything from, like, rolling an ankle to, like, tripping right. and smashing your bones against rocks. Like, I worry about that when you push really hard on trails to simulate that turnover to get the technique down. Like, you do need some of it. But too much of it might just be risk you don't need. Mm -hmm. Whereas you hop on the track, like, what are you going to do on the track other than, like, you, you could still pull muscles or something, but you're mm -hmm. not going to have the, like, the treachery of a trail. For that rail. And so you can still work on the turnover, you can still work on the power, you can still work on these other things in kind of a way that isolates each aspect. And then when you do work on the trail, like, you're that much more prepared, yeah, and, and then you don't have to spend as much time on the trail. And the itself. nice thing on the coaching side of things is, you can get a really a much more accurate measurement on tracks and roads than you on someone's fitness overall on some things yeah, standardized you can always yeah, compare you can really go back and compare things so but no harm there's no harm on a track really other than maybe the rail watch mm -hmm. out for the rail although tuesday night track workout terrified but i did pull my groin one time i think you might have been coaching me at the time i had this groin injury yep, for like i remember at least almost a year because we did like hundreds in the middle of a workout. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I believe the phrase is speed Ooh. kills. Like <laughs> speed work is something that is one of the most dangerous and scary parts for me of a training cycle. Like when you hit there, it's fun to be able to be capable of that. But I've hit plenty of training cycles where that was the first thing cut because, yeah, it's a huge amount of load and a huge amount of risk just to push yourself that hard. That was last year. Runs. Last year we cut speed. How would this? Is there an age? I guess you can tell me the age or tell me, is there an age where you are too young to do ultras? <laughs> this is like a trap question. No. From the guy who was the youngest kid ever to run 100 miles. Yeah, I don't think no? so. No. Seven I, years old, ultras. I was nine when I did my first. Okay. I know. I'm saying you did nine, so maybe nine's a cutoff. Is seven too young? Uh, I don't think there's. I think it really depends on each person. Like, I don't think my son Zane, he's seven right now. I, he definitely wouldn't be good to go do an ultra right now i don't know what the cutoff would be obviously I, I was doing things doing ultras at nine and i was fine i was actually i was doing really well uh yeah i've so you got your start. i've just literally had my knees checked out perfect spacing no issues all i heard my entire life your knees are gonna be racked your knees are gonna be racked you're gonna be trashed you're gonna have bad knees bad hips everything's fine no issues other than other being lazy issues nowadays and then uh let's see like there's sebastian right now he's out doing he's well he's like 12 I years old yeah he's he's doing it and he's honestly he's super fast too and he does really good i coach another uh i coach an athlete named hannah um and she's been doing ultra since she's 14 or so and yeah they grow up totally fine totally healthy i mean i think as human beings we were meant to move and move along far distances yeah there's too young if i have a kid i'm not gonna let them try to run an ultra at two years old <laughs> there you go that's what I, two uh two is the age two no, <laughs> I, I i think it's it's a lot more important to put the whole context into perspective yeah, yeah. hey meaning, if we meaning do scale like, if we go by scale is like a mile and ultra yeah, for a yeah. two year old but, but there are you know teenagers who have done ultras in a way that are reasonable 
and like healthy enough, you know, like I, I like to say that like running a hundred miles is never physically healthy, but there, the healthy parts are, you know, the mental spiritual side and the training can be. And so it's not only how you approach it, but also understanding the risk. Like it's easier. It's way easier for a nine year old or a teenager to mess themselves up, uh, probably for longer term. Uh, trying to do an ultra the wrong way than someone who's 30 or 40. Mm -hmm. But I've also seen 30 or 40 year olds have like a two or three year ultra career because they also can do it wrong. Like you're going to be more robust. And so you want to put that in context. Like you should never be like a kid shouldn't be doing an ultra because they feel pressured in any way. But if the kid's excited about it and they also like have an understanding, especially with their parents that like, they might need to drop at any point in it because yep. something's wrong. It's like those are the parameters mm-hmm. that make it healthy or unhealthy. It's not so much that there is an age where it's healthy or unhealthy. It's just knowing the earlier you go, the more you have to be really careful about those things. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that is huge and no pressure at all on anyone who's doing it. So, I actually talked to your uh, dad about this. You remember Ultralist? Oh God! Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I'm still on the ultra. List. I didn't. I don't. I honestly didn't know. <laughs> Who's on I, that anymore? I guess it's like the. I remember checking Let's Run message boards. I guess it sounds kind of like that. It's like that. Yeah. He said An he email was getting out. some uh, flack from different runners who'd see you at events, yep. and they'd call it quote child abuse. Yeah, we got a lot of flack. For we real. got. We've had a lot. Yeah, I had a lot of flack <laughs> like going up. There. We got. We got the message boards. We got personal mail we got emails we got yelled at at races i've been at a race where someone has tried to stop me when i was a teenager and they said that i couldn't go any further another like person who was out running and they thought they thought that i was they were asking all sorts of questions like is your dad making you do this like what and then they got they got real upset about it pass the test with the answers or you just kept going what'd you do like I duck kept, and dive I just kept going, going? Yeah, I, yeah I just kept wow. going Not, yeah yeah I think I saw way worse pressure in like my Football. high school running <laughs> career you know cross country and track and like parents out yelling at their kids to run faster and coaches pressuring them and there's thousands of kids in every state that are doing that yeah think of like football culture there's a lot more cultures that are like way more worse than like a running culture and and way more abusive on the body i don't know how slamming heads into each other is considered to be healthier than going to run out in the mountains (laughs) yeah like running ultras is actually fairly self-correcting like if if your body can't handle it you mostly just slow down and walk (laughs) but i do love football football (laughs) yeah final question to bring it home for settle it who right now would win in a beer mile nick oh you mean easily Uh, so easy. Too easy. He agreed. You yeah, got he, a sub six? Yeah, I've done five forty something. Yeah, six. even with my limp right now, I would destroy yeah. you. Yeah. Even at your best, have you faced off? You faced off, right? Oh, we faced off a few times. Yeah. So I don't know if you've met his dad, Peter Curry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Peter. That man. I've tried to drink him down a few times. I'll tell you what. He can he, put him back. And he will like walk the entire thing, and he'll do, still do like under fifteen minutes. My two favorite beer milers. Your wife? <laughs> my, my wife <laughs> and Jim Walmsley. Yeah. I, I think it took Jim, I don't know how many, to break 20 minutes. That was, like, the the, the one time that, uh, like, most runners could beat Jim in a race yeah. is at a beer mile. I've done a few, but I don't think I'll ever do another one again. They're just, it's not fun. They're, they're gut- no, no <laughs> one enjoys a beer mile during the beer mile. It's, not it's during. after it's that's after the awesome the part. buzz hits. Wow. No, it's not, not for me because I get uh, probably t- within uh, two minutes of finishing – 
I am hurling it all out. Oh and yeah, that, you gotta you gotta keep it down. That is sad, but it, it, no, yeah. dude, that is kind of a little bit satisfying. Have you ever had those pukes? Just, oh, the, the, the puke so is satisfying, and like you avoid the the hangover or whatever, yeah. but you don't get like the the yeah. two to three hours of just awesome fun with everyone else who did it. That's true. The only beer mile I've DNF'd was my bachelor party where my childhood friends decided to handicap me by making me do 24 <laughs> ounce tall boy pbrs yeah that was good and oh. i almost made it through the third beer and then i couldn't Hero. like i would i was dry heaving i didn't even have to throw up it was just so nauseous from that much pbr that my body was just done and i couldn't go on well that concludes this round of settle it i'd say you agreed on most of them but yeah yeah we're pretty well on the same page Very i guess i guess he's a good coach for me civil. <laughs> kept it civil guys See?